What's up, buds? Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today we have a special guest, uh, someone who uh, I think we took a, at one point, a 10 year hiatus from. And then we, we invited uh, Tariq Elbashir to uh, J Person Radio last year. And uh, I committed to him that we would have him on uh, well, well, well before a 10 year, another, another 10 year dry spot. So uh, I, I've spoiled it, but today we are welcomed by uh, Washington Capitals uh, beat writer for the athletic, Tariq Elbashir. So, Tariq, how are you doing? Greg, I'm doing great, man. I, I'm glad you guys didn't wait another decade. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm getting old, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I we both are gray in our beards now. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got we to gotta do that. So, all right. Well, speaking of, I don't know how to transition to this, so I, I won't. Uh, but anyways, um, the Capitals had a practice today, uh, Tariq. And uh, I am curious, uh, so it seems like lately they've been kind of battling COVID stuff, uh, although the latest news being that Carl Hagelin did not test positive for COVID, but now they still have three players and the goalie coach that are in COVID protocol still. So kind of give us an update on where the Capitals are in re-COVID right now. You know, it, it's amazing that this team has dealt with injury. Uh, they got through basically the worst part of the pandemic relatively unscathed uh, you know i i guess you know kuzi had it had it twice and and sam sonoff had it but uh it, it's kind of interesting that it's kind of caught up to them right now at a point where they're also you know depleted by injury as well um they like you said they've got three players that are that are in protocol right now um now the capitals are pretty tight-lipped in terms of symptom asymptomatic you know, how people are feeling that, that, that they try to respect the players' privacies, I, privacy. I, I, I think we can kind of assume that these, you know, the guys who are in protocol that haven't been on the ice in, you know, five, six days, you know, um, uh, have some version. Uh, you know, Lars Eller had it a couple of weeks ago, yeah. you know, back in November. Uh, so, yeah, they are they are having a or looks like they're probably at the tail end maybe of, of an of a outbreak that they, you know, I, I don't think people out there realize how you know, how much goes into stemming these things and keeping them from becoming disasters like the Islanders had, like, you know, some other teams have, have, um, have had, and, you know, it's, you don't want to speak too soon, but, you know, Jason service, the head athletic trainer, I think has done a remarkable job of, you know, keeping this from getting any worse. Um, And and you're right. So, so they took uh, Sunday off. Uh, then they took, then they played Monday, took Tuesday off. Then they actually took Wednesday off just because they didn't want the guys around each other. Yeah, and they, Wednesday was unplanned, right? That, they was were, that was, that was a, that was kind of a last second decision. Sunday was unplanned too. So oh, okay. Tuesday was planned. So, so, they, so what, three of the last four days before today, they had not practiced, right? Oh, uh, so, so that was just, you know, giving up practice time to stay safe um, or to do the best they can to, to, to mitigate any more spread. Um so yeah, Carl Hagelin did not practice today because uh, his test did not come back yet. Um, 
we found out after the fact that he did test negative. You, you know, the, the, the journalist in me goes, Ooh, the goalie coach just uh, ended up in protocol. What does that mean for the, for the, the goalies, you know, like, uh, so, so, so that's what my, that's where my eyes have gone yeah. right now. It's kind of <laughs> like, yeah, well, let's see what tomorrow morning looks like um, with regard to the goaltenders. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, the good thing, of course, is the Capitals are fully vaccinated. Uh, I mean, the, right. I think the team is 100% vaccinated. So they are. You know, you would think that, uh, you know, obviously they're breakthrough cases and everything like that. But, you know, you have players that are, for the most part, in relatively good health. So, um, right. So, yeah. so the, the, they're, like you said, the, Greg, they're, they're in great physical condition. I mean, they're pro athletes, they're, you know, the top of the 1%. Um, they are fully vaccinated. So, you know, if, if Lars Eller is kind of the example, you know, he said his symptoms were pretty mild. Um, yeah. uh, we asked uh, Peter Laviolette today about boosters and he said that players will soon, if not right now, are, they're going to be eligible to get them through the team. It sounds like they're not being pushed one way or another, but, but they're being told you're eligible and you can do it you know, um, uh, when you're comfortable, when you want to do it. So it'll, it, I'll be curious to see, you know, how many choose to, to, to get boosted and whether, you know, if this is happening around the league, is that going to cut down? Cause we've seen a lot of breakthrough cases here over the last month in the NHL. Um, you know, whether that's going to, you know, maybe reduce the caseload because, you know, you end up with five, six guys out, uh, you know, that can have, that can have a pretty negative impact on your, on your season. Okay, and then so Tariq, uh, speaking of um, you know capitals and I guess injury related things, uh, the other piece of news breaking from practice today is Evgeny Kuznetsov, who left practice with a lower body injury, and I haven't really seen much from that. I mean, it's interesting because he started at practice, right? So I don't know. Had there been any indication of this? Do we have any kind of idea what happened with Kuzi? So I was watching practice like like everyone else, uh, like the other uh, members of the media, and um, uh, he was skating through drills. You know, they use both rinks at MedStar, and yeah. so he must have left somewhere between shifting from the Arlington rink to the Capitals rink because by the time I looked back up, I was like, hey, where did 92 go? And, and yeah. he was out. So, um, look, I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead here, but this happens – a decent amount during the course of a season, a player feels something that doesn't feel right. He pulls himself out of practice and the next day he's back and it's not a big deal. I mean, it always bears watching because yep. of you know, how important he is, but I mean, you know, three or four days off and they went hard right away. I, you know, I We'll see, but I didn't get the feeling, Greg, that this was that people are freaked out. Like people are like, Oh no, it's torn off the boat. Like I, I didn't yeah. get any, <laughs> I didn't get any sense of, of that. I got to say. No, of, and I mean, he was, he, I this. mean, he played a full game uh, last time they played. Granted yeah. that was a while ago now, but you know, like I didn't, I didn't seem to see anything in, in the game against the ducks that would indicate oh. any kind of lasting concern about Kuzi or any limitations. Nope. On his usage. Nope. It, you know, everyone has hot spots on their body and yes. you, you know, uh, Kuzi uh, has had a few little lingering, you know, nagging things this year, and I'd imagine this is probably related to that. And he just needed needed to be precaution, uh, uh, you know, precautionary about it. So um, now, if he's not out there for the morning skate tomorrow, then you can start looking for the panic button and wondering, you know, because he really is. I mean, yeah, as good as Alex Ovechkin has been, part of the reason Alex Ovechkin has been so good is because he's had Evgeny Kuznetsov feeding him the puck. So yes. uh, not, <laughs> I, I would say no reason to be concerned, but it's something that bears watching. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, I guess kind of the final injury concern, because, uh, you know, obviously there's uh, 
Anthony Mantha, who we'll talk about later, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick your brain on a mailbag question that you were asked in the Athletic about that. But um, I, I guess Nicholas Backstrom is now in a full contact jersey, right? Uh, do we have any idea when he's gonna come back? Because I I saw that there have been fans that have said that they will donate their hip to him. Uh, I don't know if that would be helpful, but uh, do we kind of have any idea what, what the status is with Backstrom? So they've been very cautious about putting expectations out there publicly because sure. you don't want the player to feel that pressure. You don't want other people to be expecting him to come back. And then, you know, there's a small setback or, or, or they want to be careful. But I, I can just tell you, having done this for a couple of decades and watched players come back from serious injuries, he's ramping up. Yeah. He, he has gone from rehab to ramp up. And to me, to my eyes, he looks like he's at 80 to 90%. Like he's getting there. You know, mm-hmm. he's gone from that slow grandpa crossover where he was being very, very careful to now he's slamming on the brakes. Now sure. he's twisting and turning and looking and trying to protect the puck. And, you know, when, when Kuznetsov left the ice for practice, left practice today, Backstrom took his spot in the power play drills. And the power play drills weren't all go. They weren't full go, but they were going, they were going seven or eight tenths. And he was sure. keeping up. So so that was very, you know, I think if you're a fan, you should be optimistic that he felt good enough to jump right into power play one and start going through the, you know, start going through the motions a little bit there. So, you know, based on what I'm hearing, based on what I'm seeing, I'd say before January one, okay. I'd say before, before the turn of the year, we, he should be, uh, he should be back in uniform. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, 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 that, that's, that's been my gut feeling for the last month or so, and I, I'm going to stick with it. Okay, well, that makes sense. And I mean, the good, if you're a Capitals, uh, you know, uh, kind of, if you're the GM, uh, Brian McCullen, kind of making this, you know, decision and this injury staff, I would imagine, uh, you know, that the fact that Capitals are off to a good start and the fact that really, I, you know, you look at kind of the standings and it would, it's hard to make up ground and the Capitals are in a really, really good position, I think, to again, be a playoff team. So I guess from that standpoint too, why would you even bother trying to rush Nicholas Backstrom back? Because you don't want to have, particularly with this hip thing that's been lingering, you wouldn't want him to have to kind of be in a situation where he's going back and forth from the lineup again. The the big thing about this injury that I've been told um, all along is that the biggest concern is to have a setback. Yeah. It, um, so they're being extra careful. Like you said, they've got cushion, you know, I mean, they're at or near the top of the, of the, of the standings. I mean, guys, young players are playing well and getting experience, which is going to hopefully, you know, serve them well if they run into the problems that they ran into late last year, last year, yeah. guys got hurt and they had no one ready to come up. Now and we, all of a sudden you were at nicked out as your two seat. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, as well as these kids are playing right now, the most important takeaway to me is, well, now they've got insurance in case they get banged up in March again. Yes. They don't have to worry about, you know, uh, who's going to step in or playing a player who's at 60% when you got someone who can step in and produce. Yeah. Um, so, I, and, and you know, even with Kuzi and like, the, like I said, I, I'm not freaked out. I don't think people around here are freaked out. Everyone's just kind of, you know, going to wait to see how he feels in the morning. Uh, even then, like if he didn't play, you're not pushing Backstrom and you've waited three months now. There's no reason to, to, to start, you know, um, uh, getting impatient now. Just wait till he's ready. Wait till he's cleared. And, you know, and then I think you're going to see a ramp up process once he gets back into games too. He's not going to jump in right away and play 18, 19 minutes. 
No. So no, I mean that kind of reminded me a little of when uh, I think it was Orlov that came back from the COVID list uh, last year. You know, they yeah, right. started yeah. him on the third pair and kind of ramped him up from there. Right. Um, and remember, he he wasn't quite right. If I remember correctly, he came back out for a little bit because he, he just didn't yep. feel right for a little bit. So that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can easily see a, a situation where maybe Backstrom comes back and he doesn't play every single game down right to the playoffs. I mean, he's going to want to, but maybe yeah. you give him every fourth game off or, you know, just you want to be very, very careful. He's not a not a kid anymore. No, 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 no. I, I think one thing, though, that I think we've kind of or at least I've observed from watching and uh, watching the Capitals kind of handle all of these injuries is uh you know, you covered the Washington football team before, and uh, I think it's safe to say that sometimes around injuries, they're not the most consistent and thought out, but it, it seems like the Capitals kind of have plans with all these things, right? Like, it seems like with Backstrom, at least they had a very set plan and they kind of knew what they wanted to do and everything like that. So it's kind of, I don't know, I don't know if you've noticed that contrast, but it's something that's kind of interesting to me. Yes, uh, <laughs> I actually have noticed that contrast. It starts with Jason Service, who is uh, really, really good at his job. Um, yeah. he is good at, he's good at reading players and he's, he's forceful when he needs to be and, you know, listens when he needs to. And he's a very good conduit between the players and the actual, like the doctors, he's yes. just, he's just on top of it. I mean, it's a guy who not only takes care of the, you know, 23 players on the roster, he's also the one who has to handle all the COVID protocols and all that stuff too. I mean, I don't he's know. A busy he's, man. Uh, yeah, he's a busy man. I, he, he, he deserves a raise and a new contract, <laughs> uh, but he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's well-respected. He's known, you know, he's, he's worked for USA hockey. I mean, like he's, yeah. he's a pros pro and um, you know, you contrast that with the Washington football team. I mean, even now they're having, you, you know, issues with their trainers. I mean, like they, a couple of them just got in trouble, you know, a few months back. Yeah. Um, so yeah professional franchise versus a franchise that's trying to find its level of professionalism. I think they're making strides under Rivera. <laughs> I, I will say, I feel like we've said that about the Washington football team now for the better part of 20 years. But uh, I mean, you know, they, it does seem like they, they at least have mostly normal people in these spots, at least for now. <laughs> totally, agree. I totally agree, man. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of things that go behind the scenes a little bit as a fan. I'm, I'm going to give myself a C plus for that transition. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about, you wrote a piece recently talking about the capitals and defense. And it's something that I've noticed too, um, at least from, you know, both on ice, but also analytically, you look at what the capitals have done shot suppression wise, and they're consistently among the better teams in hockey. Granted mm -hmm. a slight downturn, maybe the last couple of weeks or so, but you know, I, I, I'm curious, like, what did you notice and um, what do you think uh, Laviolette, at least to me and kind of in your piece, you talk about this, that he has a specific system that seems to lead to better defensive outcomes. And so, you know, do you think there's also just been some growth from year one to year two in Laviolette? And I'm kind of curious with that. And if you could talk yeah. about your piece a little too. So, yeah, I, I do think there's been some growth. I, you know, they didn't overhaul the system. They tweaked the system. There, there's just, there's just some very small, subtle uh, changes to things in the D zone. Um, but more than anything in talking to players and just what I've observed, it's attention to detail and it's guys being committed, you know, watch, watch this team when, uh, even when the first line is out there, watch this team when they're in the D zone, you don't have guys leaking out too early and getting way North, you know, getting up near the blue line before that puck is secured. 
Um, and that, that was, that's always been something that's bitten this team in the rear. You know, you got this skilled team with, with a lot of um, offensive weapons and you have guys who like to score and, you know, the easiest way to score is to try to sneak behind the 2D and, you know, maybe get be, be in there for breakaway, breakaway or whatever. Yeah, exactly. a breakaway, an automatic. But you, you know what happens when the, the puck gets fumbled or the four check knocks the puck off the D-man stick and you're now at the blue line? Yeah. You're, in, you're outnumbered, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's just not a good. numbers game from that point. Someone's yeah. open. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's attention to detail from, from that point of view. Um you know, one thing that Laviolette brought um, uh, to this team was activating the D a little bit more, getting the D to keep pucks alive in the offensive zone. And uh, I, I felt like last year until the end of the year where they started to tweak this a little more. And, and again, it, it, to me, it's, it's commitment. It's, it's guys actually doing what they're told. Yeah. I feel like when those D's go down the wall to keep a puck in. Yeah. Uh, a forward it seems very deliberate here. when they do. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is, it is, but now the forward who's on that side, who's it's it's their job to drop back and man the blue line for a moment until they're doing it consistently every single time. It's not, oh well, you know what? There's no one over there. Maybe if I just follow this D down the wall, I can you know get outnumber the guy in the corner. We'll have a you know we'll have a good scoring chance. No, it's okay. This Jensen's going down the wall to keep this buck. I have to drop back and be the other guy there, be the other D. So yeah. it's you know it's little things like that. Um, uh, you know, we haven't talked a lot about personnel, but, and this is the hard thing where analytics don't really, it, it's hard to, it's hard to use analytics to tell you, um, um, like, is there a speed advantage You know, with some of these older guys who've been out of the lineup, they've picked up speed by putting these younger guys in yeah. a little more hunger, a little more, you know, I got to do this to stay in the lineup, a little less freelancing, maybe like that's the part that's hard to nail down, but it'll be obvious when this team starts to get back to full strength, if they start going in the other direction. Yeah. Hopefully, well, <laughs> well, you think of like a, uh, was the Axel Janssen Fialbi, which is a, just a great name, but I, 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 I kind of feel like that's like a, or a Protus or a Leeson even, for instance, guys that kind of, they came in and they, they had a idea of what they wanted to do. A hundred percent. And they also, they, you know, when you're 20 years old and you're breaking into the NHL, you do what the coaches tell you to do. Yes. You, you don't, you don't go, Hmm, I know I'm supposed to be over there, but no one will really notice if I start cheating up a little bit over here and maybe try to go get some offense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's less freelancers more like I have to do this. Yes. Um, so, and that's the heart. That's the part that analytics can't really nail down. Um, I'm sure the folks who study the, 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 the tape, you know, in the, in the back rooms, I'm sure they have a good idea of the impact that maybe the youngsters have had um, oh, sure they do. <laughs> versus the veterans, but um, uh, the, the commitment to, to defense and, and let's, again, it's been small systematic tweaks. It's been a, a change in mindset, but this team was pretty good defensively last year. So it's not, like, it's not like they went from, you know, terrible to great. They went from good to very good, really. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's, that's interesting because I, you know, there's, there's kind of two different avenues I'm going to suggest we go down and talking about this, but I think the first one that comes to mind to me is, 
you look at the guys from Hershey that came up and it seems like they were ready to go, you know, in the capital system pretty much from when they got here. And I, I think that that's, that's interesting because I know the capitals and Hershey have had their, I think it's safe to say ups and downs at times in that relationship. But at least to me, it seems like the caps have kind of a more coherent idea of what they want Hershey to be doing. And it's really, it seems like the guys, they come here and they kind of know exactly the system that the, that they're expected to play in DC. You know, I, I think systematically there are a lot of uh, similarities between the way they play down there and the way they play in DC, and that is by design. Yes. Um, I, I think a lot of a lot of NHL franchises like their their AHL team to play a very similar style, even even on special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so that certainly helps. I think, Greg, what what really we're seeing here is when a lot of these guys came up they'd already been pros for a couple of years, you know, they had already, they were overcooked. They were well done you know, they weren't coming <laughs> up straight after being in juniors. And maybe this was, you know, they were just down there for, you know, a cup of coffee in Hershey. And these were, I mean, Axel Johnson Fiala, but he's, he's been a pro for a while. Yeah, that's you know, true. Protus has been a pro for a while, especially when you you know, factor in his, his KHL stint, you know, yeah. at least in this wasn't his first year. So these guys were, were, were overcooked as the Capitals like to say. And I think that helped a lot too, was these guys weren't coming up with wide eyes and, you know, um, um, you know, not a whole lot of experience. Uh, they were, they were ready to go because they've played the pro game for a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting too, because I mean, they, you know, the one guy that they did bring up that was a little wide, wide eyed, of course, is, uh, is, uh, you know, Hendricks LaPierre and, and he didn't stick around. And, you know, I think that he had a couple of eye, you know, kind of eye raising, uh, you know, plays that were, that were exciting, but, you know, I think you could kind of see that that development for him still, still was, still was a little bit away and that, you know, made sense to bring him back to go back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you could see things were kind of, you know, uh, not moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, towards the end. And, and you see sure. that a lot with, with teenagers. Um, I mean, the biggest thing for Hendrix Lapierre is, uh, you know, physical maturity. Um, yeah. He's got the skill. Uh, he's got better wheels. <laughs> I, think, I think he's got, you know, better wheels than anyone really um, expected or knew. I mean, I, everyone knew he was a good skater, but he's actually a very good skater. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a good one. I think just, just physically, and he's getting stronger. I mean, just look at a grown man, a 28 year old's forearms and look at a 19 year old's forearms and, yeah. and, you know, tell me who's going to win that face off um, in crunch time. Or who's going to win that puck battle down low. Who's going to win that puck battle down low. Who's going to, you know, when, when you got one hand on the stick and your stick hits another stick, you know, which direction is that puck? Is that puck going back in or is it coming out? You know, like it's just, the strength is a big thing. And, you know, that's always a concern that the Capitals have. And I know other NHL franchises have about playing young players is, you know, you bring them in at 18 or 19 and then they get drilled in the corner by, you know, a six foot five defenseman. And now they're out for a couple of weeks and they're not really the same for a couple of weeks after that. And, and now you're setting back their development because they weren't physically ready. That's yeah. always like the big, like the big, like check the box that needs to be checked when a GM is deciding whether to, you know, hang on to a kid or not is, is he physically ready to deal with the day-to-day, you know, pounding and punishment you get in this league? And I think, you know, I, the Capitals kind of knew when they were going to send Hendricks back and they sent him back when they, when, when, you know, that day came, I mean, it, it yeah. wasn't like they got to the rink one morning today, 
you know what? It's time to send the kid back. Like they knew that day. Yeah. They knew it was what the 10 game rule or whatever with that, you know, obviously they knew that, you know? Yeah. And, and, and also with a kid like that, what what do you play six games? I mean, when you get to the point where you're not playing a lot, he's not going to get better just from practice. It it helps, but he needs to get back into game situations. Um, I'll tell you what he did. I tell you what he did. He, he pushed himself further up the the organizational depth chart for next season oh yeah uh, yeah he, he is going to you know he could even end up in hershey at the end of um at, you know in the playoffs this year um he's now going to be squarely in the conversation for a role somewhere on this team next year yeah well and i think the other this seems like as good a time as any to talk about connor mcmichael because it I, you know i i he's i don't know i don't know about you i he's been a lot more like physical net front presency than I would have thought with him kind of. And I, I don't know, do, do you think he's going to stick around? I mean, you mentioned, I think in one of your mailbag pieces that he now has a place in DC. Yeah. His ice time, I think you could say is kind of fluctuated a little bit, but I, I don't know. I've, I, I, you, you wonder if he's not there, he's, he seems to be right. Almost there. I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think kind of the cap see in McMichael right now? Where do you think kind of his role is going to be expected to be particularly when Backstrom comes back? I'd be surprised if he gets sent back to Hershey. I, I, okay. I think I think he's a full timer. I think him and Martin Faravari are gonna are gonna both be here for the long long haul. I mean Faravari for sure, but I think McMichael has done enough, and I think they've they've realized that his best development is gonna be here, even as they get more healthy. And it's funny it's funny you bring this up because I asked Peter Lavillette a question in the in the scrum about an hour ago, and I said, so what happens to Protus when everyone gets healthy? And he just smiled and started laughing. He was like, did you just say when we get fully healthy? Like, what is that? What are you talking about? <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't been fully healthy, I guess, for like months now. Huh? But, but, you know, when you talk about injuries and you talk about the COVID situations, I think they kind of have a plan that they're not going to have that roster. The, the roster that was in their head over the offseason, like, they're probably not going to get there this year. And they know no. that. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, – I think Faravari and, and McMichael stick. I think the person who, you know, th- that I talked to today on one-on-one interview, Alexi Protus, yeah, I think he's making a pretty strong argument too, because look, even when Backstrom comes off of LTI and his salary goes back on the cap, then they'll just move Mantha onto LTI. And again, they'll have enough money. It, it's going to, it, salary, salary cap won't be a concern for them this year. It's going to be just, it's going to be the, the limit of 23 players, right? Yes. Um, which, which is easier because that way they, it won't be like last year or the years past where they've had to kind of make these little moves because they were right up against the cap the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if you look at the AHL transactions list, uh, you'll see there's been fewer paper transactions this year. Like they just don't have to send guys down on days off necessarily. Um, uh, Which see. is probably just a good thing for them in general, I would guess, right? Like, you don't, I mean, you know, I, obviously, you know, pe- people get the reality of an NHL roster, but like, I just think from a, I don't know, from a human standpoint, that's got to be exhausting for the, for the players that are sent up and down the whole time. Yeah, it's exhausting for their bank accounts too. I mean, yeah. that's, that's between, <laughs> what, $500 and $4,000, right? I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big difference. Um, you know, the, the PA used to, used to get annoyed by teams that did that, but then once, once they realized they had to do it for salary cap reasons and, you know, it, it, the PA would complain back in the day. I, I don't feel like you do it as much anymore um, with those paper transactions. It's just a reality of capped out teams like the Capitals, right? I mean, you're up against the ceiling, you got a bank space so you can do something at the deadline. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think from a human standpoint, I think, 
I think players appreciate it. I, you know, it's, uh, you know, cause they still have to call you and tell you what's going on. It's just, it's a little less, it's, you know, you don't have to worry about that anvil over your head as much. You're already under enough pressure, you know, yes. being a prospect up with, you know, with the big club, you don't even have to worry about being sent down and brought back up and sent down, you know, even though they yeah. don't physically usually leave town. Um, no, 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 no. That's interesting. Well, and I, you know, I guess uh, I, you, you had, you had mentioned a couple of times that you would, that you would talk to Alexi Protus. He's, he's someone who's interesting. I, you know, I'm, I, he's, he, I, he maybe wouldn't say he's the most fluid skater in the history of the world, but he is definitely, I think, found himself a role, but I, I mean, you mentioned you talked to him. Uh, I'm going to guess you're, you're working on something here, but you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me, but uh, what, what, what have you, what have you been finding? What have you noticed about Protus? And I'm kind of curious what you, what you had the chance to chat with him about today. Yeah. So I, I just did a straight Q and a with him. And uh, you know, the, the thing that jumps out to me is uh, no, number one, he's already married, which is mind blowing. How old uh, is he? Uh, 20, I think 21. Hey, what am uh, I doing yeah. in my life? <laughs> uh, uh, and, and he, he had a really great, really great quote about that. Um, he, uh, uh, his grasp of English is really, really good. He's got a biting sense of humor. Like he's like just an affable, nice, Try. humble guy. And I, and you know, it's, it's funny, like veteran players are, they're drawn to kids like that, you know? And I think the Capitals are their group of prospects um they're they're lucky in that way they, they don't have really have any cocky you know arrogant dudes who have to be reined in a little bit yeah they've had some of those in the past yes. <laughs> not, not with this group they, they don't really have any matthew kachucks or whatever like that right? you know they, they, they don't have any handfuls and um um i'll just give you a little teaser here he's driving one of alex ovechkin's cars Ooh, um, uh, as, as, as kind of a, a loner, it's a loner car from Ovi from the big man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Ovechkin has a few of those. Huh? So he's, got a, he's got a few automobiles and, uh, he's, he's letting the kid borrow it for now. He tried to return it and he was like, nah, you, you can hang on to it. <laughs> so <laughs> man, um, that's gotta be nice to be in financially to just be like, no, you can have this car. That's fine. Nice I have, car I have eight other nice cars. Car. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really nice one too. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, uh, maybe, maybe we'll see a photo or something of that soon, but okay. Um, real, real quick, um, before we take a break, I want to ask you about, uh, we talked about defense a little bit and there are a couple of players that it seems like La Violette has really leaned on in terms of a defensive pair that have really kind of shouldered a lot of responsibility and have done really, really well. And and those two players, to me, it seems like are Dimitri Orlov and Nick Jensen. And yeah. uh, I, they are like, I think I was looking last and we like they have, it was like 75, when they're on the ice at 5v5, the Capitals score 75% of the goals, which is unbelievable. It's the best in the NHL. And it seems like they, LaViolette really relies on that pair. So I'm kind of curious what you see their role as and kind of how do you think it's developed, uh, you know, as LaViolette's been the coach? Well, I, I think continuity is a big thing for LaViolette and yes. Kevin McCarthy uh, when it comes to the D pairs. He, he, they, they put them together at the start of the year you know, for opening night that, you know, they, they, they kind of do some mixing and matching in training camp. And then they try to find guys who just complement each other, whether it's personality, whether it's play style, that they're looking for guys who just work well together. And when those two got together um, in the preseason, like just something clicked and yeah. uh, they've been given more and more responsibility. Like, like you said, I mean, what was the game the other night? Anaheim. I mean, it, I felt like they were out there every other shift. Yeah. Um, I was actually watching the defense uh, very carefully because I was actually working on that story that you were alluding to there and um, out there in every situation. Um, and you can tell they just have the coaches trust. They trust one another. 
Um, uh, I, and you know, I, I think they're, they together or individually, I think they're two of the more underrated players on this team. You know, for a while there, I, I felt like Nick Jensen was on his way out, right? There was a cap. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that, like he was really close at times, you know, yeah, like to kind there, of being there. Yeah. There, there were too many righties. What are they going to do? Is sure. he the guy who's going to pay the price? And as it turns out, it's a good thing they hung on to him because he's easily the most improved player on this team. He's kind of doing now what they thought he was going to do when they, you know, traded for him from the Red Wings and then signed him to that four-year extension. Um, Orloff, another guy that, you know, I don't want to say there were trade rumors there, but, you, you know, you start looking at the cap and you look at guys who might be redundant and you look at the prospects and you're like, okay, maybe that's – and to me, those are two of the most important players on the team right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, I mean Orlov. That was he was featured. I think it was Dom's piece uh, about the kind of the best puck moving defenseman, and he was yes, right yes. there among kind of some of the best players in the NHL. The, the the two of them together. I mean, watch them on the breakout, man. I mean, yes. their passes are hard, flat, and on time, in rhythm. Guys don't have to slow down and kick kick pucks to their from their skates to their stick. They're just, I mean, they're, they're just, they're perfect breakout passes a lot yeah. of the time and, and Orloff more and more, you can see the confidence growing. I mean, I know he's been around a long time now, so, you know, it's not like he, he you know, he, he, um, you know, had any, a whole lot of growing to do as a player, but look at how many times he leads the rush now. I mean, yeah, he's, I've he's a one man breakout now and yeah. <laughs> he's, he's breaking dudes ankles, getting into the offensive zone, slam on the brakes and waiting for everyone else to get there. And he's setting up the offense. I mean, and I mean, the points have come for him too, you know, it's because yeah. of that. Yeah. So, so he's really taken a step forward. Um, and, you know, you talk about this team that's missing, you know, you know, they missed Nicholas Backstrom to this point in the season, they've had injuries, they've had COVID that what they've really needed was that first line to be what it has been. And that, and those two, you know, Orloff and Jensen to be kind of, you know, the reliable defensive pair. Um, I mean, look, Farivari and, and Carlson are having a good year too. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but when you talk about, you know, the, the number one pair, it's probably, it's probably three and nine. Well, and I mean, you look at, I think it was like, yeah, uh, you know, last game, it was like, who's, who's getting the matchups against, I mean, cause the Ducks really had like one line that was like, you know, really kind of dominant towards the end, who was getting those matchups against Zegras and Milano and go. And it was, it was Orlov. It was, it was. Yeah. And, and, you know, he plays with the right amount of physicality too. You know, he only throws that hip check, you know, a couple times a month, but if you don't think that's in the back of Zegras' <laughs> head or Milano's head, as they're, as they're carrying that puck in with speed on the wing, Hey, here comes number nine. He always oh, gets yeah. low. I mean, it's it's a little bit of deterrence there, you know, um, you know, and the common trait that those two guys have is they both have really good sticks yes. and they both are really strong skaters. And when you're a really and I'm not just on a straightaway speed, I'm talking about, you know, kind of shiftiness, right? On, you know, being able to ed- kind of go yes. laterally into position. Yes. Just great on their edges. So, like, yes, you know, you're talking about a Zegers or a Milano. And, you know, those guys are great on their edges too, but, you know, they know what they're going to do with the puck. The defenseman has to react to what's happening there. And the guys who are the strong skaters are the ones who are able to gap up real quick, you know, make a play on the puck. Oh, oh, he made a great pass under my stick. Now that you can back up and get off that guy and go and make a reaction because you're just a strong skater. And so that's what those two guys bring to the table. And uh, they've been a lot of fun to watch. And I'm not sure the Capitals are where they are if, if that pair isn't playing as well as it is. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a a quick break. And then on the other side, uh, we are going to engage in some wildly premature trade speculations, uh, trade deadline speculation. So with that, stay tuned.
Welcome back to Shapers Rick Radio. Still here with Tariq Al-Bashir. And uh, I guess, Tariq, I'm kind of curious. Um, you had mentioned, and I got this idea from your piece, so I will happily attribute to it, uh, to it which is uh, you had a question where someone asked about the idea of possibly putting Anthony Mantha on LTIR and just bringing him back for the playoffs. And uh, you you didn't totally dismiss it out of hand, which was interesting to me. But uh, I guess first off, if we're gonna if we're gonna get into this, where, where do you think Anthony Mantha is right now? Like I, I get the sense he's still really far away, like months at a time. So I, I, you, I, do you think there could be a situation where he might actually just be ready playoff time, and that's kind of what the timeline is for him? Yes, I do. I, look, we you've followed the Capitals for a long time. I've covered them for a long time. They don't say a whole lot about injuries. They keep those guys out of out of the room. They keep them out of public view. They yes. you know they, they come in, they do their rehab, they go home. Um, but from what I'm told, it was a pretty significant injury, like like not great. Um, and he's going to be out a long time. Um, and when I pressed people on that, they were like, "Yeah, you know, think you know, think playoff time." Uh, and, you know, this team has got a really good cap manager and Brian McClellan is, you know, has shown in the past, he's not afraid to be aggressive at the deadline and to use all the tools that are at his disposal. And I think, I mean, look at, look at what happened with Brooks Orpik. Uh, I think it was yeah. a few years ago, right. In terms yeah. of flipping that and being able to get him, a player he wanted at a much lower cap hit. A hundred percent. And I, I think, I think the lightning has, has shown the way they, they've, they've, um, they, they pushed. They push the boundaries. The NHL let them get away with it. I think other teams are looking at that going, hey, if they can do it, why can't we? I mean, it's not like it's not like, you know, they're going to have Mantha, you know, skating off to the side for a month while he's right. I mean, it looks like he, the timeline's kind of jive, right? It looks like he's going to be close to returning around that time, um, which, you know, it gives them another. another I mean, that's six, six, what, six million in cap space, right? That all of a sudden that opens up for them. $5.7 million. And remember at the deadline, that's enough for a player or two. So yeah, um, would not surprise me one bit, especially when you kind of look at the big picture here, you know, this was a capitals team at the start of the year. No one really knew how it was going to go. Right. I mean, are they they still contenders? You know, some people were in some corners were already writing them off as, ah, you know what, they had their window. They should be, you know, they should have had two happy shots, with the cup yeah. that they won. Right. You know, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, people were, they were saying they were ripe for a decline. There there were, I read some articles where people were opining about that. And what we see now is they're still very much in it. Um, they're one of the, I would say four or five teams that at the 25 game mark look like they might be able to do something special this year, which has yeah. to change the way management looks at things too. Right. So, yeah. you know, if, if let's say in, in August, you know, McClellan, and this is just me speculating, you know, is going, ah, you know, we're going to hang on to that, that number one pick. And, you know, maybe we start kind of retooling here and start building for the field. Well, now you got Ovi playing the way he is. You got Kuzi playing the way he is. You're at or near the top of the standings a quarter way into the season. All right. Well, maybe we got to start thinking about pushing the chips to the middle of the table again. Maybe, maybe all of a sudden uh, I I was, I was speculating on Twitter a little bit, the Seattle Kraken, I think have a number of forwards that might be interesting to the Capitals come deadline. I mean, Arizona is going to be selling, right? I mean, um, (laughs) well, I think they're, I think they, they need to sell just, uh, just to, just to be able to pay the arena, right? At this point. I, I, since we've been on the phone, uh, since you're talking, I, I think I saw something say they had paid all of their bills, um, um, oh well, that's good. <laughs> they, they've gotten current. 
on their tax liens. So well, I, again, we talk about organizational contrast, right? I can't. I, can't, yeah. I mean, is that like conceivable that could ever happen to the Washington Capitals? No, they, they they actually handle their business on the up and up, and yes. they got an owner who actually has real money, and yeah, it's, it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. um, it, I, I couldn't imagine covering that. It's just it. Not to go off on a tangent here, but it's time to end that experiment. And I, go it sure, sure, sure seems like we're at that point, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it but, it but yeah. All right. Well, okay. But this is this has been interesting. So I guess I want to I want to tease. I want to kind of dive into one more thing, and it was something you you I think had hinted at a couple of times, and I I also saw a little in your mailbag, which is. Uh, I, I think I had the Capitals on the bubble. You look at kind of the Japers Ring roundtable. I think we all kind of did. And uh, you, I, you know, I would imagine you said somewhere, I think that your kind of view of this roster has improved a lot. So I guess kind of gut check, where do you think this roster is with your expectations? And if they were to get a player, where would, where would that, where would kind of the, the soft spot be that they could add? So the external view of the Capitals roster is always uh, they got a, they got 10 dudes over 30. The decline is coming. Father time's going to catch up to them. Yeah. The internal view is they feel like their older players are going to age much more slowly than maybe some, I mean, you never know. You just never know when someone's going to hit, you know, is going to drop off the, the cliff, but you know, all the models that are out there go, okay, well, Ovi's 36. So here's what other 36 year olds who played, you know, who, who performed this way in their twenties, here's where they were at 36. And that, that's how, but the capitals, their internal models project Ovechkin and Carlson and Backstrom still being elite players into their thirties. Now, is that a little rose colored glasses? I don't know. I, I, I don't, they don't allow their analytics people to speak to the media. So I don't know what they're looking at. But that's just, you know, to kind of go back, take a step back before I answer your question. They they look at our at all the the doom and gloom and go, no, no, we're still going to be good. And we're going to be good next year, too, because our guys aren't going to fall off the cliff the way everyone's expecting them to, because they take care of themselves and because, you know, they have their own reasons. So so that that's the beginning of my answer. So, yeah, I, I feel like. My perception has changed uh because of the way the first line is playing uh you know i i it was all eyes on ovechkin is he you know he was hurt last year his production was way down this team goes as he goes and for him to come out and do what he's done in this first 25 games oh it's unbelievable uh, it it, it totally changed and it's not just him but but you know I would say he was number one. I would say number two for me was was uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov because uh, look, we saw the difference he made during the Stanley Cup run. We saw the difference that he made at the start of the year after they won the cup. I mean, he's a top ten player when he wants to be. Um, and, and we also saw the defensive decline when he didn't feel like being that player. Exactly, and and no one really knows. He's a little moody. He's a little flighty. It's kind of hard to pin, but it's clear that he's he's dialed in. And he's dialed in for the long run. I think people are you know, pretty excited about that. Um, when I look at this roster, to me, I see question marks in a couple of areas. Uh, number one for me is goaltending. I'm just, I'm not sold on the two youngsters. I, I know Samsonov has been lights out lately. I know Vanacek can be good at times. You know, um, I've had some very good games. I do think that is going to be an area that 
this team is going to investigate here sure. um, as, as we approach the deadline. There's going to be some good goalies available. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've thrown out Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, <laughs> I saw but, that. Yeah, J- James Reimer is another one that I, I, I kind of have my eye on, too. James Reimer, it, it, you know, I, I would prefer Marc-Andre, but at the same time, I mean, you know, this team, they love their ex-Penguins. I, I, they I do. Did, <laughs> you know, and that would certainly not give you a shortage of things to cover if Marc-Andre Fleury became a capital, huh? <laughs> it, it, it would not. It would not. And, and you know, more teams are going to drop out of the race here, you know, sure. um, at, uh, you know, around the Olympic break. And we'll have a, a longer list of players to go through. You know, Jonathan Quick, it, you know, he's got another year on his deal. But, you know, he's a championship caliber goalie who seems to have refound, you know, rediscovered his game. You know, there, there are going to be options and they're going to have cap space. Yeah. And I think they're starting to feel like this could be this could be another opportunity and we can't let this go by without, you know, giving everyone in the room the tools they need to succeed. And the other spot is I, I still think you can never score enough. You just yeah. can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't have enough. Um, kind of depth um, scoring yeah, kind of depth thing. scoring, and I it just wouldn't. I mean, the Michael Raffle thing, I I could see them aim even higher because they're going to have more cap space, most likely. Yeah, it, it, and, and know, maybe maybe not a shot, and maybe not be be shy away from using a you know draft pick to kind of make something but, happen. So I, I don't have any inside information on this. But someone <laughs> someone sat to me the other day. They were like, "Do you think maybe like Philip Forsberg, like like you, you know, I mean, it, it, he may does it doesn't get a contract in Nashville." It could just kind of come full circle and he helps the cap one. And, cap one and, the cup. and you know what my answer was? I was like, you know what? Don't count out Vegas either. I, I bet Philip Forsberg with George McPhee out there, he's probably like, he's oh probably like, like the white whale, right? The, 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 or or the, the one that got away, right? I, I think um, I threw out to someone the other day that was uh, the, with Philadelphia struggling. Uh, they, they look awful right now that uh, uh, you know bad. you know who's a ufa at the end of the year is actually claude drew, claude drew. So. It's, a, it's a face-off guy it's a center he would step right in and and instantly you know he'd push someone out of the lineup but he would you know make the team better um yeah. I, I don't know about phil kessel i don't know if that's the type of player they need but i mean they're going to be some some good players available to deadline and depending on what happens with anthony mantha i mean yeah, and uh, I mean, there could be other injuries. There could be other things that pop up, but um, I think they're going to be well positioned to to be aggressive. Uh, yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm way more hopeful now, Greg, than I was the start of training camp. Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, I guess the other thing too, it's kind of like we talked about, right? That when you have a lot of injuries and guys come up and look good, all of a sudden, you know, stuff starts opening up in terms of, you know, your expectations and in terms of just the amount of depth that, you know, you're developing. Because, I mean, these games that a, you know, Protus or a Leeson or a Ox, the, the Janssen Fialbi kid or whatever, like these games that they're getting are going to matter, right? And they're yes. going to they're gonna help them come come playoff time. If, if there is a guy that goes down, you can kind of feel a lot more confident with what you have. Exactly. And, you know, the black aces this year are not going to be a bunch of dudes we've never heard of. They're going to be it's going to be guys who played eight, nine, 10, 15 games, you know, this year and produced a little bit. Um, And this is going to be a nice little, you know, ace to have up the sleeve um, uh, for Laviolette. You know, you go back to that Stanley Cup run, man. There were a lot of guys who got in the lineup and that were needed. I mean, Shane Gersich is one that jumps out to me. Yeah, um, I mean, one of the they, prettiest they, goals they against Walker. Tampa Bay was yeah. scored by Devontae Smith-Pelly and Alex Chason. So, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Nathan Walker got into a game like you need. He scored. You, he scored like yeah. you know the like against like huge game against the Penguins. He did. I mean, you need those guys, and so they're going to have guys who have legit NHL experience, um, who have already been in the room, already have a comfort level, and you know if their name if if they're needed, there's going to be no hesitation to throw Brett Leeson back out there, or you know Alexei Protas. You know, it, let's say he does get sent back down. I mean, there's going to be no hesitation whatsoever. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely kind of opens up a lot of avenues. Uh, mm-hmm. With with that, I have a I have a couple of uh, you know last questions here. Then we'll then we'll we'll, we'll call it a wrap. But uh, I uh, the, there's been speculation uh, rampant about Tom Wilson being a contender for the Canadian uh, men's Olympic hockey. And it was yeah. something that uh, obviously that has generated some discussion. Um, you you watch Tom Wilson a lot and you watch a lot of other kind of players he would be competing with. What do you think Tom Wilson could bring? And do you think that he, ha- have you heard anything? Do you think he does have a shot to maybe make their roster? Well, I mean, he, he he's on the list. Um, there's a lot of, you look at that Canadian forward group and you're like, yeah. Where where does he fit? I mean, there's yeah. a at right side. What's he gonna do? Like displace Barzal or something? Yeah, you know? that, that, that right side's pretty deep. Yeah. But the, one, <laughs> the, one thing, the one thing that keeps me coming back to huh, maybe is he does something those other guys don't do, right? I mean, he's yeah. just he's a unicorn. He's a different type of player. He brings a physicality and an edge. Do you need that in the Olympics? Maybe not as much, but he's a great penalty killer as well. He has shown that he can play in the diamond on the power play. He just does things that some of those other guys don't. And remember when, when you're a GM of an Olympic team, you're not just picking the 23 best players you can find, the 25 best players you can find. You got to find guys who can play different roles. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you know, when, when they're picking their players, it's not like a fantasy pool where you're just going, Oh, he had a bunch of goals. Oh, he's real. You got to, who's going to kill penalties. Who's first over the wall on the, on the PK, who can, who can bring it physically, uh, you know, um, who can be physical against, uh, against the checks, you know, um, uh, you know, if, if we're down, like, there's just different things that go, that go into roster building. Um, yeah. So I, I guess that's a long winded way of saying, I think he's going to make them think hard, but I think at the end he loses out, but yeah, we'll see. That, we I will mean, see. Hey, yeah. It's, it's definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on. And uh, I would imagine he would, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I think he's, he, yeah, he seems to be motivated just in general. Uh, you know, I, I think he's everyone kind of pitches him as the future captain of the Washington Capitals after, after Ovechkin, but I don't know. I mean, it couldn't definitely, you know, definitely doesn't hurt to have that kind of, kind of motivation to really go out there and show it. Huh? Yeah. And if I could throw one more thing back in there is, you know, he's a player, you know, who is known for his physicality and for his puck retrieval and his ruggedness, but yeah. he plays in DC with two of the best players in the world. There are going to be a lot of really high end players in that Canadian team. If you want to pair him or put him on a line with two high-end players because he can go get the puck and open some space for them. Well, you know, he's got, he's got experience. It's on his resume. He's done yeah. it. And, and he's a better he's passer than I think he's given credit for too, in terms of being able to funnel stuff fr- from winning puck battles to guys in prime scoring places. And he, get, he gets around the rink better than I think he gets credit. He, uh, than he oh yeah. He's a great skater. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, all right. Well, with that, I, I have one kind of final fun question for you. So the you're you're around the Washington Capitals a lot. You interview players a lot. One of the things I'm curious about. So the Capitals recently released a uh, to I think it was promote uh, this breast cancer or something or some kind of cancer promo. Uh, they put a lot of their players on Cameo. 
which uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Cameo, but Cameo I, is the- I know uh, what it is, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I, here's what I would ask you. Um, you interview a lot of Capitals players. You kind of get to see their personalities. Who do you, if, if you had to give a cameo, you know, maybe that's not a fair position to put you in, but who would be someone that would be an interesting player, you know, or someone you think would do well on cameo, uh, kind of having talked to the Washington Capitals a lot? I, my So I, I, I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm, I'm not going to overthink this. I'm going to <laughs> Metzal because he's going to drop three F-bombs. He's probably going to get distracted halfway through it and go off on a tangent about something he was, was watching on television. So, so it's good but, value, right? You know, you, you pay for two minutes, you might get 10. And by the end, you're going to be laughing. He, like, you're just going to be laughing. His personality is, it's, it's, it's rare. And it's not, it's not like anyone else. You know, there are a lot of hockey robots in the yes. NHL. He is not one of them. No, <laughs> he no. is a man who says what's on his mind. Uh, he does not care if, you know, his quotes about hating day games um, or about the bad ice that they're playing on or about, you know, uh, reporters asking questions that he doesn't like. He just he just speaks his mind. I think he'd be hilarious. Um, so if, if, if I, I were like putting that. money, I think Kuzi would be my guy for All sure. Right, OK, I like that. I like that. All right. Well, uh, that was uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, Ovechkin is probably going to be a little more expensive, too. You know, so get the get the get the value pick. I Bang, guess, for buck. Bang for buck. Bang for buck. the guy. There for you sure. go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that, there's some there's some analytics for you right there at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Terry, this has been a blast. I uh I, I, I want to get you on again soon because it's, uh, you know, we, I, I feel like every time we, we come on, we end up in a, a lot of interesting kind of different rabbit holes, but uh, where can people find you and uh, you and your various musings on things? Uh, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Tarek underscore El Bashir. And, um, you know, my work appears on the athletic. I try to write as much as I can. I'm trying to get away from game coverage and it's more like featurey and, you know, things kind of filling the holes that maybe aren't filled, um, you know, by, by other people. I've enjoyed um, that, by the way. I think you've done a you. wonderful job with that. So, Thanks. Yeah. so I, I, I try to keep it diversified. Thank you, Greg. And so I, I, I you know, I'd love for people to, to find my my written work there. And, um, you know, I do do a little stuff on NHL Network and TNT from time to time. So, um, you know, you can find me at The Athletic and hopefully on a television uh, near you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's, that's, that's been good. It's been good. No, I've, I've definitely enjoyed it. Uh, having, having you kind of on a number of different platforms. I think you, you always, you always do well kind of no matter where you are, whether it's, and I, I was gonna say, I'm also grateful to have you back just on the Caps beat in general the last few years. You know, I think you've, it's it's been interesting to kind of you know see you apply your skills at kind of a lot of different avenues, but it's uh, just selfishly as a Washington Capitals fan, I'm, I'm really grateful to have you around. Thank you, very kind yeah. of you to say. Thanks, Greg. All right, absolutely. And uh, if you like the show, uh, please rate, rate, subscribe, review. We have a uh, I think a pretty robust uh, fan base at this point, and uh, I you know there's a lot of Washington Capitals podcasts out there now, so uh, yeah, I I want to try to keep this podcast in a good place. So if you get a chance, please rate, rate subscribe, review. You can find me at at Greg underscore jr and you can find the show at at japers drink radio and uh next week we i think we're gonna have a, a pretty huge guest which i'm really excited about but we don't have it totally locked down yet so uh with that uh have a good day and uh, we'll, we'll talk next week <laughs>